cliffcentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and cliffcentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is the Laws of Life on com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlela. Dumela, Gary, and Dumela to our guest today. And hey, it has been some time. Yeah, it has. Mm-hmm. Today we have a two-part show, Lines. Our first segment has two parts. Hmm. First up, we talk about crooked lawyers uh-huh. that steal trust monies. Oh, I've heard of those. Yeah. Those who live beyond their means and they Put their hands in the cookie jar? Well, they shouldn't, Lions. Oh. On this one, we're joined by Jan de Beer, forensic executive with the Attorney's Fidelity Fund. Welcome to you, Jan. Good afternoon. It's a famous name, Yanni de Beer. Well, he was our famous scrum uh, fly half. Oh. And he scored, I think it was a penalty. Was it a World Cup penalty? Do you remember that word? Yeah, yeah which one was it? <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the penalty? No. no. <laughs> I, I do. I can't, just can't remember which match it was. Lionel wouldn't know. You wouldn't know that one, Lionel. No, I'm no. not a rugby fan, but I watched the Bulls. <laughs> you watched the boys, the... Lionel. <laughs> <laughs> for the second part of for the first segment, we discuss what happens if your lawyer is negligent and botches your case. And joining us on that one is Thomas Harbin. He's General Manager of the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity, Indemnity Fund. Welcome to you, Thomas. Good afternoon, Gary. Uh, how I got you, Thomas, is you write extensively in the lawyers' magazines, De Rebus, uh, that most of our lawyers read. And uh, I've picked up your articles. I read them avidly, and uh, I wanted you in studio. Thank you Thank for you writing that stuff. Good for us lawyers to pick that up. Thank yeah. you. We need whatever we can get. Later in the show, after this first segment, we have another wicked story for you. Mm. We talk to the man who the police thought was a Nigerian drug lord. Ooh. And they raided his house. They smashed his property. They wrecked his reputation. And all along, the man was innocent. Not. Yeah, mm. It happens. Uh, Sean Early is the man's name, and uh, he'll be joining us later. Our email address, law at cliffcentral.com. Our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Have a look at it and give us a like if you do. I'm sure you will. And, Lion, you want to do the Twitter handle? Oh, yes. It's at Hertzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. And if you can really recommend any shows that you, uh, topics that you would like us to talk about, please do so. And please give us your feedback in terms of how we're doing. Okay, so the first segment, as I said earlier, is divided into two. And first up in studio, Jan de Beer. He's a forensic executive with the Attorney's Fidelity Fund. And he's going to tell us how we, or not how we, how they tackle a crooked lawyer who's stolen your trust money. And uh, it's horrific for us lawyers to hear that. We, uh, it's a very prestigious profession. And uh, we regard ourselves as someone special. We really do. And you can see from a number of lawyers the way they parade. But uh, when a lawyer takes off with, with the client's money, it's, it's heartbreaking. 
it, it is. I mean, we are hearing a lot of this. I mean, yesterday the uh, Minister of Health was actually talking about it on radio, uh, where some lawyers who actually take money of clients and unrightfully so use that as their own money, and only to find that the clients end up suffering as a result. So there is just a lot of unethical uh, conduct. Yeah, I think what out. what that story is about is the lawyer, the, the client, very often in rural areas may not really understand the process, mm-hmm. so he thinks he's getting a, a million. Which is a lot of money to him. Meantime, he's getting five million, and I think what the suggestion was is that the lawyer pockets four million, gives him gives him the one million. Exactly. I don't know. I haven't proof of that, but I think that's what was suggested. Um, later in the second segment, we'll be talking to Thomas, who, who's an admitted attorney. He's a BALLB from Vitz, and he's currently the general manager of the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund, and he's going to explain what happens if you suffer a loss. When your lawyer is negligent, and it happens often, your lawyer may well prescribe your claim. And uh, do you have a claim against the lawyer? And that's what um, Thomas will talk to us about. Jan, while we have you on this one, Mm. it's an aside. Uh, You may know a little more than I do. Are lawyers, I don't think it's within your in your actual field, but lawyers uh, get clients to sign for less than they're actually getting. And that was what the minister said. And... uh, it's a terrible one, that, isn't it? It is, it's a, it is not a good situation at all. Um, what we do find, however, is that um, if one looks at the, the mandates concluded between um, clients and, and their attorneys, mm. um, that there's not necessarily always a full understanding on the part of the client of exactly what it is that they that they're entering into in respect of acquiring those legal services. Yeah. Um, and, and that in a lot of instances lead to confusion as well. Um, but we also do find that um, as far as overreaching goes on the side of, of attorneys in respect of those those fees, um, a lot of that could have been prevented if the consumer was in fact properly educated with regards to to, to, to what I actually acquiring from Yeah, well the lawyer is the one that. that should educate him And should say I'm going for 5 million And this is what we're going for We only got 3 million But here, is the, here it is in black and white Here's the release form the insurance company Or whoever sends us And people sign it off But I think they put their hands over it The suggestion is And the client doesn't know exactly what he's getting But anyway we've made that point What I want to talk to you really about is Last year very disturbingly I think it was in the Sunday Times The headline was, and I quote it, it said, dodgy lawyers are stealing hundreds of millions of rands from their clients by looting trust accounts. That was in the press. And the report continued that the Law Society of South Africa had said, this was last year, that 49 lawyers had been struck off the roll in the previous year, and 24 of them had plundered, they used the word, trust accounts. Now, that's a very sad indictment on our profession, very sad what are the latest stats? If I if I look at the 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 latest stats, um, and and we see over the period of time um, or the past five years, quite a significant increase in respect of claims against the fund. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, we just need to understand that um, in terms of the attorney's fidelity fund, it, it's it's a client protection fund. Um, so the, the 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 consumers out there in terms of legal services need to clearly understand that that the fund is there to 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 actually step in um, and and reinstate the, the confidence in the legal system. But at the same time, we do see quite an increase in respect of, of claims that has been notified um, to the fund. 
um, in respect of, of um, a number of type of, of legal transactions. And we see that in respect of the previous financial year, uh, that is from January to December 2016, those claims that has been notified is, is in excess of about 370 million rand uh, mm-hmm. for the year. Um, at the same time, we're faced with a, a contingent claim position. In other words, those claims that we're still assessing at the moment, um, close to about 550 million rand that still needs to be um, assessed and, and, and looked at. Yes, we do see those, those, uh, those increases in respect of claims, but we also see that um, the majority of the claims that, that we're receiving is also um, below a value of, of a million rand. Mm. Um, that also talks to you about the nature of, of the, 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 the transactions or the underlying legal transactions we're talking about, but it also talks to you about the, that that consumer market um, as well, very much at the bottom end of, of the, 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 the sector um, and not necessarily um, finding ourselves that it's, it's your sophisticated legal consumer out there that, that necessarily um, suffered the losses. Uh, Jan, how many lawyers are involved in the latest statistics of having looted or, or stolen trust money? Um, in respect of that, we, we're probably looking at about uh, just in the region of about 70 um, what we're referring to as, as defaulting attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, uh, in terms of, of new defaulters coming into, into, into the system yeah. um, in, 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 in the past um, 12 months. And there, of course, if one looks at the, the recording of, of a defaulting attorney, those claims can, of course, um, Come through to the fund over a, a longer period of 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 of, of, of um, so these time. these seventy lawyers are the lawyers that have taken money that doesn't belong to them. Is that is that kind of what we what, what we're looking about? at? That those are new defaulters that has been registered in our systems. In certain okay. instances, uh, those claims, of course, still need to be properly assessed okay. as well, right? Uh, because we need to understand that in under certain circumstances, um, the the fund will not be able to to to, to cover. Uh, those claims mm-hmm. um, specifically if one referred to for example to 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 attorneys that um, has been involved in the theft of of investment monies um, mm-hmm. in light of the investment practices that they operate okay, let's, we'll come to that <clears throat> let's just talk about the fund itself so what yeah. this means is if a lawyer has stolen your money if i can put it very simply you can go to the fidelity attorney's fidelity fund and you lodge a claim and you say such and such a lawyer has stolen my money. Is that basically how it works? That that is how yeah. it works, but yeah. it also works very closely with the disciplinary processes on the side of the, the regulator, which is of course laws, the, the law, law societies. societies at the moment. Okay, now if 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 it is shown that the lawyer has stolen your money, then you file a claim against the Fidelity Fund in the hope that you'll get paid the money that was stolen. Now, the Fidelity Fund is a fund that's been established, and how does it get its funding? Where does it get its money from to cover these claims of lawyers who have looted trust money accounts? Yeah. The, the, the funding of the, uh, the fund is, is primarily um, out of interest that is earned in respect of the trust accounts that are held by attorneys. Um, those are specifically in terms of the general trust account of the attorney um, and not necessarily the accounts in respect of where there is um, money is invested on behalf of the client. Now that's in very interesting because very often as a lawyer, I'm a lawyer, I've heard people say to me, Gary, you're holding on to my money. I want my money quicker. You're obviously earning the interest on my money. And I say to them, I don't get the money. The interest goes to the law society, ultimately to the fidelity fund. So the lawyers do not profit – 
And as long as the listener out there knows, the lawyers do not get any of the interest that's earned on the trust money. That's absolutely correct, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the interest actually vests with the fund. Yes. Um, the fact that it's paid over to the law society, the law society is purely just acting as an agent mm-hmm. of the fund. Um, in respect of the collection of its primary revenue source itself. Okay. Now, there are various ways that lawyers have taken money that doesn't belong to them. Some lawyers parade around as investment advisors or investment whatever, and they come along to people, especially the old and the frail, and they say, I can get you more money than you can get in the bank. So leave it in my trust account. Give me a, whatever you've got, and I'll, I'll look after it, and I'll give you 12%, whatever it is. Now, assuming that to be the case, is the poor sod who gives the lawyer the money for an investment and the lawyer runs away with it, can they recover their money from the Fidelity Fund? Gary, what we, what we see is that uh, there's, there's quite a number of those claims coming through, through our environment. And it's very much um, a situation whereby uh, the fund will unfortunately not cover those type of transactions. Um, the principle is that, of course, yes, there must have been entrustment of the funds mm. um, to the attorney. Uh, but also what is key, it must relate to the actual legal services that has been provided. So it's key that there must be an underlying legal transaction that is must, must have been executed. So today's a great warning, Jan. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Don't invest with an attorney on an investment because if, if he does something wrong, you will not get your money. Your money it's not covered. I, I, yeah. I think what is key is that we don't say that they, they shouldn't be investing, but yeah. I think it's important that the consumer should be aware Where? of the risks that are associated with it. Yeah. it. Those monies that are lying there as pure investments that yeah. are normally done in terms of the investment rules of the of the of the law societies will not necessarily attract the, the protection from the fund. Okay, so now a lawyer does a transfer of my house. I sell it for two million he gets the two million into his trust account as an example and he runs off with it is that covered what we're looking at is that in the event that um, as part of the conclusion of the 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 property transaction or the transfer thereof Mm -hmm. and the the seller then do not actually receive their funds itself um, immediately out of the 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 conclusion of that transaction that of course would attract a claim against the fund yes Um, however if the the property transaction was concluded and the uh, client requested the attorney to retain the funds um, and not pay that to them immediately for whatever reason. Um, There could be a situation that there is a change in mandate to that of holding that money on investment, Mm. which would then not attract the protection of the fund. Mm. So uh, as as long as that, that, principle of that underlying legal transaction is, is not there anymore, um, there is a exposure on the part of the, the consumer mm. that they don't detracting um, the, 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 the protection. Lawyers, but, yeah, that you make such a, a very, very interesting point, a distinction there, and we've mm. got to, as the public, we've just got to be careful that if once your transaction is registered, if you leave it with the attorney, it could be construed as an investment, and if anything should happen to that money, you're not covered by the fund. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's cardinal. That's, that's such important advice. Where lawyers are getting money into trust and maybe taking off with it is in what kind of cases? You, you mentioned conveyancing. Where, where else does it happen? What we, what we specifically see in terms of, of um, the claims that has been notified against the fund, there are three 
primary categories or, or classifications that we're looking at. Um, the first of all relates to conveyancing transactions. And, and now there I specifically refer to the fact that it's conveyancing transactions and mm. I'm not necessarily emphasize the fact that it's conveyances. Yes. Um, because those monies can be held uh, across all attorneys' uh, trust accounts. Other component that we're seeing as such specifically relates to is money that is held in respect of estate accounts mm. um, within the attorney's environment. Um, and then also matters that specifically relate to um, the road accident fund where the, the, the attorneys are, of course, acting um, for, for those claimants as well. Mm. Um, and. I don't want to say that it's because of the nature of those transactions that uh, it, it's necessarily um, uh, causing alarm itself. What we need to keep in mind that if one looks at the, the distribution of funds that are actually held within attorneys' trust environments um, in terms of, of um, um, RAND values, those are the type of transactions that would naturally be of a high value within the attorney's environment in any event. Yes. So it's difficult to say yes, but you will only steal the monies because it's a conveyancing transaction or because it is a road accident fund matter or a state matter. Mm. The fact it, it, it is theft. Yeah. Um, and we see that the distribution of the theft taking place across um, the, those type of monies um, is in relation to uh, the makeup of those monies in total. Jan, what happens to these attorneys that uh, that steal money and are still in South Africa? What happens to their estate? Uh, what happens to them as lawyers? Do they do they you know how does it work? You would find that um, in in most instances you find that that, that defaulting attorney would have been um, removed from the role, would not be able to, to practice. That's anymore. an application to the high court to, the high court to strike him off the role. That's what it's called. That, that is. I, I don't know if you know this offhand. What happens to these lawyers? They 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 no longer attorneys as such. They're not on the roll. But do they act as legal advisors in government or elsewhere? Do you know? We we do find that uh, yeah. most definitely that they they entering other parts of the the the. The provisioning of legal services um, mm. that is not directly necessarily regulated itself. Um, Forgive me, like what? I mean, I, I may meet a guy who says he's a legal guy, but he's he's been struck off the roll. If someone has been struck off the roll, I can pick it up from the law society. Hundred percent. They'll yes. tell me. Um, yeah, they they do do find themselves probably. Um, Entering the environment where they would uh, probably practice with with other uh, attorneys, but not mm. necessarily for for their own account. Okay. They would enter um, the corporate environments. They mm. would enter or or still be involved in terms of providing legal services, but as consultants. And, and they're legal advisors. They could be called legal uh, advisors. Yeah. yeah. They, um, yeah. And and uh, or consultants or, mm. or uh, different terminologies as such. Yes. But the the key there for me is is that the the, the public also needs to understand that um, in terms. Of of that in terms of utilizing those services in terms of dealing with a lot of those individuals you would prefer that the the, the public would require or request from that practitioner uh, uh, a verification in terms of, of their standing and that would mm. typically be um, uh, a valid fidelity fund certificate um, that that would, would provide them or give them some assurance in respect of the safeguards that are in fact um, yeah provided. every practicing lawyer uh, who is a director or owner of a business does have to have a fidelity fund certificate. 100% correct, yeah. yes. That is right. Um, 
There was, I mean, there have been so many cases, I don't want to single out anyone. Just one I know in Benoni where it was reported all over the place there was a, one or two attorneys that stole an enormous amount of money. Um, someone, a lady of 80 lost 32 million. People lost their mm. lives here. It's tragic, isn't it? When you see this, you get to see the people. Um, it, it, it is a sad situation. Um, but also in, in that, um, I think what, what we, we provide is, is in fact that ability to, in fact, um, eventually or in our processes to, to make sure that those, those, uh, victims are properly compens- compensated. But we also need to keep in mind that, of course, the fund is a fund of last resort as well. Yeah. Um, so it's unfortunate the situation whereby a, a claimant needs to go through uh, certain processes um, first to recover the monies mm. before we can step in uh, finally. So it's not a situation that you submit your claim and immediately you get your money. But it's unlikely um, they're going to get their money or do some of them get the money out of the attorneys? Uh, we, we do find in certain instances that is the case, um, mm. but um, in terms of the, the excursion processes that are run at such, it's, it's, mm. um, it, it's, it's a long and a time-consuming process itself. Um, the likelihood of recoveries in that in, in, in situations is, is very low. Um, but then also in terms of the, the act, we then also, um, after we've did, um, in fact, paid the claim and in a lot of instances also compensated the claimant for the cost that they've incurred in respect of the excursion processes as well mm. we then of course step into the shoes of that claimant and make sure um, that we recover the monies from that defaulting attorney um, afterwards mm. but also what is key for us um, in respect of, of our processes is to make sure that there is a proper consequence in respect of the actions of that defaulting um, attorney. Mm. We go at, at, at the great lengths in terms of cooperating and supporting um, the, the, the uh, prosecuting um, authority, the investigating authority, mm. uh, making sure that in those instances there are proper cases opened. We support them with the right information to make sure that we can achieve a successful prosecution. Do, do some of these attorneys of actually matters. land up in jail or is it unlikely? 100% correct. Oh, they do? Um, they yeah. do. Um, what kind of sentences uh, have you seen being given? We've uh, uh, we, we normally, uh, in terms of our involvement with the prosecutor, would like to see that the minimum sentence of at least 15 years are, are imposed. Do, do they get that? Um, we do see instances where that actually occurring. Um, mm. As recent as, as last week, we did find a, a uh, the successful conclusion of a matter whereby the, the practitioner was actually um, uh, was sentenced of, of, of 12 years. Um, sure. Uh, but also we do see in a lot of instances that there are um, suspended sentences uh, coming through as well. Mm. Um, but also what we're trying to do where there is an opportunity then as well is to make sure that there is also a, a proper order of the court um, in terms of the recovery of money, see if that opportunity does exist as well. Yeah. And we then closely monitor the, the, the execution of those. those the question to be well. asked, Jan, is why do the attorneys do this? They know they're going to get caught out. What is it? Do they think they'll just fiddle it? They'll take and put it back because they're going to get money next week? Or why? I mean, you've, you've obviously spoken to a number of these attorneys during the course of your forensics investigation. What is the excuse for doing this? Um, I think a lot of, a lot of it relates to, to specifically if I look at, at certain of the profiles of the attorneys that, that we see the, where these occur, mm-hmm. um, that, 
it's it, it's a lot of it, a lot of it is a lifestyle issue as well. Um, mm. It is it's a matter of how do I keep my business going as well, um, specifically those at, that are really battling of maintaining their their practices as well. Mm. Um, suddenly they realise that we haven't done enough business uh, this month and we have to pay the rent and we have to pay the salaries, um, and suddenly they find uh, quick and easy access to to client monies with the belief that the next They'll month there there will be money to yeah. to, to to substitute that. Mm. Um, so where the right business decision would have been something totally different and not um, uh, and still protecting your your your, your clients' monies. Um, so we see a lot of that. Um, we also see in respect of um, the, the the smaller value of claims coming through um, as it relates to to risks of very small sole practitioners out there. Um, that that are trying to to establish their environments and growing their environments, um, and also also need to to deal with um, understanding how this whole mechanism actually work, or how do I actually run my 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 small practice, mm. um, and then they normally find themselves being tripped up by not necessarily knowing everything. Um, yeah. um, accounting for their fees incorrectly, um, haven't dealt with their, 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 their transfers properly. Well, whatever the case is, there's yes. no excuse for this. Just the last from you, if I may, Jan, what is the warning we can give to the public? Uh, feel free to deal with attorneys. I mean, this is a, these are not your everyday cases, but how do they, how does the public safeguard themselves? What should they do? I think what, what is, what is key for me is, is that, um, and it, it goes back to the function of the fund to, to, to really install the confidence in, 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 uh, in, in the con, uh, for the consumer in, in terms of the, uh, utilizing legal services. Mm. I think what is key for, 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 uh, the public out there, is to make sure that they they deal with a a a, a properly um, uh, admitted attorney that's got a valid fidelity fund certificate, um, and uh, in in that I think it's it's key that the the the, the member of the public must ensure that it's don't just leave. The financial transactions and believe that yes, I've paid the money across to the attorney and lies in their trust account. Mm. Um, one need to ask for regular accounting in respect of those monies. Um, it needs to take place. Um, the, the practitioner is obliged to account to to to, to their clients accordingly, um, and um, they need to ask those questions um, and 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 deal with that appropriately. And, and if they believe something is wrong, it doesn't help that they wait for months and months to to deal with it. Um, yeah. They need to, to, to approach the legal regulator if they believe there are something that is untoward um, and, and, um, and, and deal with that on that basis. We're working closely together with the regulator in terms of, in terms of that. But I think it, it, you need a proactive approach from the consumer to make sure that they actually do receive what, uh, what they're paying for. Very interesting. That's the voice of Jan de Beer of the Attorney's Fidelity Fund. He's a forensics executive. You hope never to see him <laughs> because he, he only goes in when there's real KA. Okay. Anyway, let's move on and let's talk to Thomas from the – introduce yourself from the attorneys. I'm Thomas Harbin from the Attorneys Insurance Indemnity Fund or the AIIF as is commonly referred to in the legal profession. You write extensively, as I said earlier, in the magazines for us attorneys. This is what this one is all about. You are the man that uh, we would come to. Uh, if I was a member of the public where my attorney has negligently 
botched my case. I don't, the word botched may be wrong. He's negligently handled my case. For instance, he may have prescribed it without submitting a claim. And therefore, I've lost my claim. I would come to, ultimately, I'd land up with you and I'd say, I've lost my money because the lawyer was negligent. Now, Thomas, I want to draw a distinction. There's a distinction between negligence of an attorney or an attorney giving a wrong opinion. Yes. Uh, Maybe if I could just address the first part of of your statement. As the member of the of the public, you wouldn't come to us. As an insurance company, the, our relationship is with the practitioner. Yep. So you would go to to your attorney and say, "Mr. Attorney, you 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 haven't uh, lodged my claim in time, and therefore it is prescribed in in your hands." You'll yep. send the the uh, the attorney a letter of demand, and the attorney would come to us as the insurers and and report it. How much pol- cover do you offer to the attorneys? The covers provided on a staggered basis, depending on the number of practitioners in in a firm at at the time. Between one and six partners, we provide cover of 1,562,500 rands. And uh, it's staggered as with firms with with a higher number of of partners get a higher number of cover with a maximum of, of just over 3 million rands for firms of 14 partners or more. If my claim is larger, then most attorneys have a top-up, don't they? That is they have correct. their own insurance, PI yes. called PI yes. Professional Indemnity. Yes. But if an attorney doesn't have cover, then the cover for him, if he's a sole practitioner, is about a million and a yeah. half. Yes. Okay? And that's what I can recover from the attorney through yourselves yes. ultimately. Well, if, if, for example, your claim is for two million rands, yeah. we'll pay our limit of mm. just over one and a half million. And the attorney will will, will uh, then need to uh, to find the, the balance out of, out of their own pockets. Now, <clears throat> we were, I mentioned right up front, this is where an attorney has been negligent. Yes. Uh, what happens if the attorney gives me a wrong opinion? He says, um, your case is winnable. Meantime, it was never winnable. Can I sue him for – is that yes. negligence? Yes, you, you can still sue an attorney in, in those circumstances. And often – Attorneys, as with any other pro- professional, can make a mistake while they're acting in, in good faith. Mm-hmm. And we often have have claims where attorneys have given adv- advice and it has later turned out that, uh, that the ad- advice was incorrect, but they acted in, in good faith. Do you pay out those kind of claims? Yes, we do. An attorney, uh, on a surety, uh, I come to an attorney and I say, I signed the surety. The attorney looks at it and he says, I think you can get out of this one. And we go to court and we lose. Can I sue him? He yes, says, that can. was my opinion. You is can. it negligent? Is, is he yes, negligent? We, we, what we, we need to, to look at, the standard that has been set out in, in a whole series of cases is that the conduct of, of the attorney needs oh. to be judged against that of a reasonable attorney. Absolutely. The common yeah. reasonable man test has, mm. has, has been altered in, in a number of cases to, if I could call it a reasonable attorney test. Right. But if I could just mention, Gary, at, the, at that point, a very small proportion of our cases actually arise out of, of attorneys giving incorrect advice. The vast majority of, of our cases arise out of, out of attorneys failing to, to, to meet the basic standards that are expected of, of the profession. Give and, us some examples okay. of where attorneys have been negligent. Yes. In, we have instances where attorneys have just been blatantly reckless, unfortunately. 
and for it, for example, attorneys may may fail to to the most common type is failing to lodge a claim with the with the RAF timelessly. Mm-hmm. Attorneys go to, to in certain instances we've seen attorneys practices where something as basic as a diary does not exist. They therefore must court must court dates. They must they 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 must dates by by which actions are are to be up to be instituted. Resulting in uh, the the uh, a professional indemnity claim against them, and uh, in the last ten years we've seen a doubling in the number and value of of claims against attorneys, and this is attributable to a, a number of factors. First of all, th- there is a lack of supervision of of of, of staff in in the attorneys' practices. We've had instances where Conveyances have essentially left the 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 running of of, of their firms to the conveyancing secretaries mm. without any any super, super, supervision. And mm. whenever I address attorneys, I always refer to an example of a, a practitioner from Vanderbilt Park who walked into our office one day to notify us of of two claims worth four hundred thousand rands each. And when we asked him what was going on in this practice. He said he didn't have time to deal with his practice as he needed to be out there being the rainmaker. Mm. Another reason for the increase in claims is that as other areas of the law, for example, road accident fund uh, related claims appear to, to, to be drying up, practitioners have looked to other areas of, of law. You've seen it with the increase in medical malpractice claims and in the same way that they are, they are, they are, are suing each other. Yeah. And also we need to note that the public have become uh, uh, more aware of, the, of of their rights. Gone are the days where what your lawyer said was was the gospel and and that could not be be challenged. And lastly is the growth in in the profession. About 8 years ago there were approximately 18,000 attorneys in South Africa. As we sit today there are just over 24,000. And the reality is that the cake has hasn't grown gotten bigger. So People need to to find some or other way to make money, and the on on the the one hand, it has led to 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 some practitioners taking their eye off the ball in their practices, but on the other hand, other practitioners finding it necessary to sue them. I saw an interesting little article somewhere. I think it was in the Lawyers Magazine, Day Ravis, which I read religiously monthly, and I hope it doesn't stop being published. Hope it no, it will, it will continue with, with the think... funding from from Jan's organization, <laughs> the fund. Good. Uh, they they did some kind of, uh, with LexisNexis, they conducted a national survey of the attorney's profession, and the sample showed that while the profession is still a male-dominated industry, almost 40% of the people they canvassed were female, which is, the women are getting up there, yes. and uh, 60% of the attorneys are still white. Those are the... Stats they revealed. Yes, and, and things are changing as we go along. Yes, and also yeah. something else in terms of of the breakdown of the profession. You find that yeah. probably approximately seventy percent of of practitioners are single practitioners. Yes, in in, in the country. I wonder what wh- why that is because they need help. They could lean on one another. Maybe that's why there's so many claims. Yes, it, it, oh. that's. Probably, and there are a number of services available to to the profession. Which, for for example, our organisation provides them with the, the insurance at no cost, mm. 
and this service is, is a unique service internationally. We've traveled on, at, around the world. We haven't come across another profession that gets insurance at, at, for at free. no cost. Yes. How long has this been in for? Since 1993. And prior to that, you had to get, have your own insurance yes, Prior to that, yeah. there was, uh, it was run as a scheme, oh. which was administered by various uh, insurance companies and, and brokers, including... Glenrand MIB was was involved from 1986 until 1993. Gents, before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to add? Jan de Beer, anything you would like to mention before we go? I think it's important that we emphasize the, the role of the fund in, 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 in this specific environment. Um, we we need to understand that that we are client protection fund itself. Um, we're there to 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 make sure that the the consumer is properly protected. Um, it doesn't mean that that, that we if we're part of the the the, the legal profession itself, um, it doesn't mean that that's an easy way out for for that uh, attorney that is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and there are definite consequences in respect of, of their actions. Um, and we've been dedicated resources specifically in, in that environment. And then there is an appropriate deterrent that is required in respect of, of that, considering the, the, the increased nature of uh, increased uh, claims in, in, in our environment. Yeah. Um, so from, from our side, it, it, it's, it's, it's important that the public understand the functions of the the role of the fund, um, what it's playing in, in respect of the, the overall uh, society and the environment, and then the important contribution it makes um, in respect of the overall legal system to instill confidence. Thank you, Jan de Beer. We've, we're running out of time, or we've run out. Jan de Beer, Attorneys Fidelity Fund. Thomas Harbin, before you go, anything you want to add that I've managed to For the members of, of, the, of the public, when you instructed an, an attorney, Please ask the, the the attorney what internal controls they have. That will safeguard your your money in terms of theft, and that will also save ensure that the attorney will carry out your your instructions properly. And also, please be careful. If you'll note from from our various publications and our website, in recent years, attorneys have lost eighty three million rands by falling victim to cyber scams. Mm. And to put it briefly. Essentially, the attorney receives an email to purporting to be from the, the, the client instructing them to change the, the banking details. Yeah, no, so so please, that, yeah. yes, tell your, your attorney that, the, that the, you will only instruct them to, to change banking details in person and that they shouldn't fall to your email. Lance, anything things. you want to add? Oh, Thank you, you Thomas. Oh, yeah. yes. I just want to ask uh, this one question. Does the cover also uh, work in the pro bono uh, instances where people are actually taking matters on pro bono, but they don't put as much yeah. effort into that? Uh, well, if, if you choose, if you went to an attorney like Gary and, and in his pro bono hours, he handled your, your, your instruction, certainly would, we would cover it because the payment of the, of the fee is not a requirement. It's a very for good question. If, yes. if a pro bono attorney is negli- neg- negligently messes up your case, you've got a claim against him. It oh, doesn't matter yes. what it is. Yeah. Because yes. I mean, forgets, if he, if he doesn't lodge your claim and it prescribes, um, you've got a claim against yes. him, and ultimately the fund would cover yes. that up to the amount. Yes. They the say. attorney's duty is, is 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 the same for a pro bono client as for for a, a high fee paying client. Yeah, Lionel's not just a pretty face; he's smart as well with an MBA that I see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, gents, very very much. Thomas Harbin, thank you very much. Jan de Beer, we'll talk to you again. This has been great, at, uh, very enlightening for me and for the public. I'm sure.
appreciate it. Let's have, uh, before you, you go Kevin. away, guys, uh, I just want to mention we have a very interesting show that's coming up, a wicked one right now. It's going to be on a separate podcast. Uh, it's about the man who the police thought was a Nigerian drug dealer. And they smashed up his house and they wrecked his reputation. He's coming into studio right now. We're going to move on. We're going to break for just for a moment and then he'll be in studio. Thanks for this. Thank, Thank you. you. Cliffcentral.com.